0: It's Sunday Zen, which means we're gonna try to talk about all things reality. (laughs) (laughs) So come with your questions because it's really about the space we create together to try to explore what this is. What is our true nature? What are the apparent obstructions to realizing it? And why does it matter? to end suffering for yourself and those around you. So, come on in. I see everybody here. Milkfish says, here's a thought for the new year. Wherever you are there, wherever you go there you are. Assuming this is true, how can we change ourselves to manifest our desires for the new year? Wherever you go there you are. How can we change ourselves to manifest our desires for the new year? So, this idea of manifestation is so interesting because it's conceptual, it's a thought, it's a belief, it's an idea. It's kind of infused in this new age kind of everything from the secret, which you know, and the whole oprah verse of like I want to be more successful in this relative life, so therefore I want to manifest everything that I want, and how can I manifest what I deeply desire? and what what often is done is these some of these kind of new age clichés like wherever you go there you are which is a cliché in the sense that if you don't actually know what it's pointing at if you don't realize what it's actually saying um it's another like fun self-help cliché that's annoyingly bland and really doesn't make a lot of sense cuz conceptually yeah you could say wherever you go there you are yeah that's obvious but what that What that cliche is really pointing at is a deeper truth that's beyond manifestation and non-manifestation because manifestation is, again, it's a thought. Like, what even is that? It, It implies so many associated beliefs that are often hidden that we don't recognize. Like when we talk about manifesting our desires for the new year, we assume several beliefs there. And then we'll get back to this, wherever you go, here you are, there you are. It, it the one of the beliefs is that we have actual desires as a separate self and the second belief is that we can actualize them in other words something that we can intentionally do will change reality to something other than it is already going to be or is already now so that relates directly to wherever you go, here you are. Well, whatever you do, it doesn't matter because you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're, it's always here, now, this. And all this idea of doership and manifesting and self apart is just that. Thoughts, energetic patterns, sensations, conditioning, belief, So in this idea of manifestation is embedded many beliefs. And when you actually investigate, are those beliefs true in this moment, here and now, in my experience, in this experience, in what's happening? The more you look, the more you look, the more you look, I'll challenge you to find evidence that those beliefs are true, that there is a one who can push and pull on reality, manifest desires, and that those desires um are anything more than transient arisings in thought impulses do they actually have any substantiality reality or truth to them beyond the appearance so that's what we investigate by being right here right now so that gets to the wherever you go there you are another way to phrase that is <laughs> A better way to phrase, I don't know if there's better or worse. There's nowhere but here. There's no when but now. There's only this. So have you ever gone anywhere? Ever? Have you gone anywhere except as a thought, as a construction? Appearances change, but has anything moved? So another way to ask that is, is there anything in your experience right now that has never moved. Is there anything in your experience right now that has always been exactly as it is? Still, silent, unborn, unmoving, undying. Is there something in your experience right now now, and I want you to look, don't think about this, is there some aspect of this that has never moved, that cannot move, that doesn't need to move because it's this, and wherever you go, there you are always that and when that is clear when that unborn perfection is abided in and actually is felt to be all that is, that is you in the deepest sense. When that is realized here and now, never anywhere else, not in the future, not in some time when you will awaken, but now, here, this, that which does not move, that stillness beyond stillness from which all sound, all images, all sensations, all thoughts vibrate in and as, are manifestations of and are no other than that perfect stillness. When that's realized, Does the question of how do I manifest my desires for the new year make any sense at all? Beyond sounds, thoughts, images. Jana, if we're present and open, everything, everyone that presents themselves... Would be our desire. Oh, what a beautiful way of saying that. That this is happening is all the reason, meaning, desire, purpose, and truth that is needed because it's happening. It is the radiant expression of that very perfect. Stillness that we were resting in, that we've never been apart from. That is us in the deepest, deepest sense. So abide here now. Wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you try to go, you've never left what you can't leave that doesn't move, that isn't born, that doesn't die, that is perfect, radiant stillness. Jacqueline Cuesta, but what about Ananda? So Jacqueline is referring to the Sanskrit words and... um in certain traditions called sat-chit-ananda, or one translation would be being sat, chit is consciousness or being in motion, human consciousness, thought forms, forms. And then ananda is sometimes translated as bliss, But the way that I experience, and again, this is like, I'm figuring this out. You can't figure this out. (laughs) I'm groping in the dark as a human along with you here. But the realization of this is beyond the ability to put into language. But I'll say my experience of Ananda, Ananda, is something like this, something like this. It's not, it can't be this, but I'm gonna point in the general direction. So being is that stillness that I was talking about, that thing that you can notice in your experience right now that doesn't move, that's radiantly silent and still, that's always and already awake and aware. Being. Okay? This is just my experience of this. Consciousness then is that being showing up in, in form, like a thought form or an experience. It's emotion, it's. but it's not different. So the being and the consciousness are the same. They're made of the same no thing, this awake awakeness. It is awakeness itself really. And so what is Ananda? Ananda is the, for me, is the energetic current that seems to animate the space between being and becoming, the space between that empty stillness and form arising in and as it. And that, that feels like an energetic love, like love, like pure blissful connection. And it doesn't always feel like bliss in the way that we think of it. It feels like like the the urge to be or the energy of nothing becoming everything. There's no, no good way to talk about this. And so, Of the three, Sat, Chit, Ananda, not one is apart from the other. They are all the same thing, the same no thing. Form, as the Buddhists say, form is emptiness. Emptiness is no other than form. They're two sides of a coin. And Ananda is that, oh, that unconditional, indescribable, energetic, Coming into being from being, form coming from nothing. It feels to me like the interface between existence and non existence, like a flux, like a big bang in every moment, because every moment is brand new, completely unique. I know, it gets weird. (laughs) Um, There's your 2024, says Jacqueline. There you go. (laughs) 2024 is a concept. It's always been now, but I like the sound of 2024. It's got a good symmetry to it. Um, Ashley says, speaking of stillness, I'm staring outside while listening to this and the stillness in the snow falling. So listen to the paradox in that, right? Isn't it beautiful? The stillness in the snow falling. So it's a stillness in motion. It's totally paradoxical because the human mind can only work in either or. It is still or it's in motion. So what do you mean there's stillness in the snow falling? Go there, go to that paradox and sit in that. The paradox Ashley is pointing at, sit in that paradox, like how can stillness be in motion? How can emptiness be form? And why does it feel like ananda, like bliss? There's no why, there's no answer beyond going directly to look in your experience. What is it that is both still and accommodates all motion? Hi, wake up. Everything and nothing, Megan. Yeah, that's right. Emily Anderson says, hopefully the Zen moments will help manifest personal and world peace. Well, the entire world is a manifestation of our own delusion, (laughs) of our own mind identification. The human world is like that. So war, is a manifestation of human delusion that we're separate that we can grasp and avoid and so you get war so what is peace what is it that the bible talked about the peace that passeth all understanding it's here it's here it's this it's what we're pointing at sat chit ananda being consciousness bliss what seems to happen in human experiences we are in consciousness that's it just vibrating in thought creating a world of haves and have-nots of grasp and avoid of me and other and all of that's wonderful and great it's all in it's all illusory it's a real appearance like the sense of self is a real appearance it's not some invisible thing it's a real as an appearance as a felt sense it's absolutely real that you feel like a separate person navigating a world of space and time with a future and a past that can push and pull on reality. It feels exactly like that. So, as that, it feels like a, it's like a mirage. It looks like a damn oasis. So, you believe it. There's a belief then that this is real. So, what happens when that same appearance is met without the underlying belief that it's real? when that appearance is met on its own terms, as an appearance, well then you can inhabit this humanity, you can inhabit this world knowingly, consciously, and feel the ananda of every moment as a human without ever fooling yourself that you really are separate or you really are apart or you really are um, incomplete or you really are broken or you really are this body, this mind. So then everything takes on a kind of a a, a depth and a clarity and a richness that you can bear anything, any aspect of human existence and there may not it may not be preferred there may be aspects of it that it's like hmm i'd rather go eat that chocolate than be in jail but what is happening is accepted fully because there's a knowing the underlying belief that you it could have been otherwise or that you can make it otherwise as a separate being seen through. So then the next spontaneous action just happens. And oftentimes that action may be something that apparently looks like it changes the situation. Like you break out of jail with some accomplices and a getaway car and a big explosive bomb, like in those Looney Tune cartoons with a little fuse on it that goes, and you put it in the jail and then you you get up in the corner and it blows up. And like the guards get like, these crazy like explosive faces where they're not dead but they're just like all blacked and like hair's all crazy and is blacked a verb? I think it is in porn circles. Um... (laughs) Quirky Dave, the concept of now or moment, uh, is this not referring to time? Can the now be explained I find it hard at times to wrap my mind about around it. So (laughs) Dave, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) There is no now even, but we have to speak, right? So this idea of now is a way that we can use language, which is dualistic by its nature. There's a subject and an object. So we talk about things like now, and there's only now and that this, but dude, in the end, The reason you can't wrap your mind around it is that it is beyond, what reality is is beyond now and not now. It's beyond the mind. It is just this. Infinite, eternal this. And all words just are ghosts. They're just flavors of consciousness that point maybe, but you have to look with all your being in that moment, look, not using the mind, not using the lens of mind. So when we talk about now, you're right. It's a figment of our imagination, but we have to talk. So we use terms like now. There is no now, there's no moment. I'll even go further and this may be destabilizing for some people, but I think that people who understand this will understand it. The people who don't may get a sense, the people who are destabilized by it have, I mean, there's, they're probably not watching this far, honestly. Um, The mind can't understand this, but nothing is happening. In reality, there are these appearances that seem to form and disform, but that implies that there's time in which that happens. In direct experience, there's no time. There's just thoughts, visual sensations, body sensations, emotions, which are kind of body sensations mixed with thought. (laughs) There's like somewhere in between a body sensation and thought, tastes smells that's it the six senses the sixth being thought so that's all there is and they're appearing apparently they're they feel like they're experienced but it can be seen that they're not experienced by anyone they are what they are in and of themselves self-knowing, self-existent. The reason and alpha and omega of their own existence is them. So that sound is what it is. There's no person, no mind perceiving that sound and it is vibrating in and as the emptiness of being and not being, the unborn. Now that's how it's been eternally and so, all this is just appearance radiating from nothing. And so, nothing has happened ever. Nothing will. Everything we think is solid and real and continuous is a construction of reflective consciousness, which is the sixth sense. It's illusory in that sense, it has no inherent reality you as a person have no inherent reality meaning there's nothing of substance there beyond the appearance and the illusion and the beauty of that if oh my god that's so destabilizing and that means there's nothing to grab onto there's no continuity nothing's happening this is just what is this this is nihilism nope look in your experience is it nihilism what is it? It's this. Holy fuck. That this is all appearance coming out of nothing. Chit Ananda being consciousness bliss is all there is. Perfect radiant emptiness has always been like this. It's yawning nakedly in front of your face and always has been. And that in front of your face is nothing but an appearance and a thought and a belief. It's always been this while we go through our lives dancing around thinking we're doing stuff, thinking we're real. And when that's really realized, all you can do is laugh and shout with joy because it's all okay. It's always been okay. Nothing has ever happened. Nothing ever will. And yet everything is right here, right now. And it's a total fucking paradox, a beautiful, beautiful paradox to the mind. But to reality, it's just exactly what it is. perfectly showing up. (laughs) And is it even showing up? And the only way to realize this is to look in your direct experience. That's what this is, that's what meditation is, that's what realization is, is it's realization. It's not belief, it's not faith, it's not, it's realization. Ashley gets it. (laughs) Thanks, quirky. Who is Mark here? Cause someone's, oh, there's Mark. Mark Grabovac, faced uh, with really hard stuff in the moment has made extricating myself from the thought matrix nearly impossible in this moment. Beautifully put, brother. When the the relative thought world seems very difficult, we've had a loss, there's crazy stress at work, um, stuff is sucking attention into thought, And it seems that to function in that space, we have to feel like a person, a body, a mind, separate moving through the time and navigating this hellish hellscape. Of course, attention goes there. Of course, like reality feels like that, like that's real. And that feeling present or feeling this seemingly is obscured. That's just how it is. And you know what? Don't resist that. Because again, who's resisting? Ultimately, the truth hasn't changed. We're always and already this and nothing is happening. But the appearance is the opposite. And the miracle, the paradox is that we can experience that appearance fully and completely give up and surrender to it. And that doesn't mean necessarily that we're lost. It means that we're human. As long as we're showing up in this particular vibratory form, that's gonna be there and it's absolutely okay. Those of us on this spiritual, none of this is spiritual. Can I say that again? There's nothing spiritual about this. That's why I got this little microphone filter so I could get really close to the mic without damaging my mic, which I've done before by spitting on it. Um, None of this is spiritual people, none of it. It's just reality. Spiritual is another game the mind plays to make us feel good about something to try to grasp towards something. So those of us on the spiritual journey, it is a huge feeling of failure and shame when we become apparently mind identified because of conditions. But guess what? We're not doing it. Conditions are what they are. And mind identification shows up. And the beautiful thing is, the beautiful grace here is that it can generate suffering. That mind identification, the feeling of pushing and pulling on reality. And once you tune in, suffering is the grace. It's a sign that's like, look your mind identified you're suffering how about you look right back here where you never left where the looking is all there is just hearing just looking just feeling just sensing just consciousness and that grace pulls us back even if for a tiny amount of apparent time and it just keeps happening and we notice again and we tune in and we become attuned and it's really beautiful even in the midst of suffering so suffering is grace and yet when suffering is felt in other beings apparent beings you are everything you are the whole environment and so it is your suffering in a sense which means it's met with complete, natural, unconditional compassion that just arises. You don't need to work on it. You don't need to create it. You don't do anything. It's like awareness itself. You don't have to try to be aware. You just always and already are. And so compassion arises in the face of suffering of apparent others and apparent you. Mark says, before enlightenment, haul water, chop wood. After enlightenment, haul water, chop wood. Yep, that's it. That's the Zen saying, and it's so true. You still are a human. And this is, I think it's such a harmful paradigm that people are fed by certain ways of teaching, certain teachers, where it's like, You wake up, you get enlightened, you become liberated and you're perfect. All suffering's gone. You never screw up again. Uh, And so everyone seeks that. They wanna seek this perfection. Perfection is a mind state. Humans will never, they'll never be perfect the way they want. They are already perfect in that exactly how they're showing up is how things are. And so it is the innate perfection of being itself of the unborn, as they, as we say here, and as Zen master Bankai said, everything is perfectly managed in the unborn, which is this. We were talking earlier, Quirky Dave, about now being a time and our ways of using language around now, and, but really now is just this stillness that passes all human conception that is the source and substance of all, that is what now is, that is what I is. That which we're pointing at is what I is. Sometimes I can't believe that there's still 100 people listening to this drivel. (laughs) Can't say really a word about this, but we're doing our best. (laughs) We're holding the space together. Milkfish says, wax on, wax off. There it is. Mr. Miyagi was the man. Um... Yeah, Doc Karen, or as Jack Kornfield says, after the ecstasy, the laundry, exactly. Like you can, listen, on this trip, you can have these incredible mystical experiences. You can have ecstasy and bliss and unity consciousness states, states of melting into reality, states of infinite expansion, states of unconditional blissful love, states, 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 they're all experiences. What is here now that is beyond experience, that is the source and substance of experience, that's so simple we overlook it and we go and do the laundry and that is it. The laundry is the perfection of the universe maximally exerting itself, as Dogen would say, to show up as this, perfect, radiant. Megan says, I wanna go to retreat. Retreat is a way of just allowing, it's a willingness to say, okay, I'm not gonna play the usual game of distraction. I'm not gonna play the usual game of social complicity where I create a imaginary world with others, apparent others together by talking to them by speaking superficially, by using my device, by doing my taxes, whatever it is that you're doing that distracts you, you're giving yourself permission and willingness and you're orienting towards, not that, you're orienting towards this, this stillness. So retreat is not something you go to, retreat is now. Retreat is this. We are on retreat now. All of us, together, sharing this willingness, this intention. That's retreat. We just had a five second retreat. We can make it 10 seconds. Now what happens when we strip away time? We've eternally been on retreat, eternally, because none of this is happening in the way that you think. It's not what you can think. It's not what it's possible to think about. That's just thought, 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 belief, belief, belief. What's this? It's that. It's that. It's this. It's this sensation. It's this. It's that. Just that. The other day I was talking to a friend on the phone and she went to go wash her hands in the sink and I was wearing AirPods. And the sound of the water in my ears of her washing her hands was the entire universe. Perfect, just as it is, with no listener. It was what it was. Talk about a cliche. And I told her, just keep washing your hands. Because she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm washing my hands. No, 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 no. That sound, as mundane as it is, is the Buddha, is enlightenment, is liberation in that sound, in every sound, in this Vicky Doc says, yeah, no difference between going to retreat and retreating. Yes. And there's no difference between retreat and life, honestly. And Ashley's pointing out to that. This last retreat, especially, it was like, hmm, this is just life. It's just maybe a little more willingness to unplug from all the distraction, but it's really no different. We make, you know, I've been, I've done this, I make it a big deal. Like the first retreat I ever did, I came back and I did this video and I was like, guys, this is just beyond, beyond, beyond. (laughs) All of that was just experience. And it was fine. It was beautiful. And it was probably quite helpful. Not probably, I know that it was. It was a heart opening experience. The first retreat I ever did. Um, But to come back and make it into something, to make it into something apart, that's what the mind likes to do. So that's mind stuff. So now it's a story, now it's a achievement or a something that you want to get back. Oh, I wish it was like it was on retreat again. Or when I was on retreat, I had this experience, but now I'm having this experience. It's like, oh, who who's having what experience? Look there, there's just this. It's always been that. Whether you're in some mountain retreat or whether you're in traffic yelling in the phone. It's the same. Megan says, thank you so much for the reminder. Pulled me out of a spin of urgency and what's next. Oh, isn't that spin something, huh? We all think we're alone in that spin. Have you noticed that? We all have this deep sense of shame and imperfection that, oh, I get into the sense of, oh, I have to be better. I have to be more present or why am I not more present or why am I not more awake or I had it and I lost it. I had it and I lost it. I saw the glimpse and now it's gone. How do I get it back? And what's wrong with me? And why am I broken? And why do I suffer? And it'll never get better ever or it'll only get better in some distant future. So I'm going to read more about it. I'm going to watch more YouTube videos about it and I'm going to seek more knowledge about this. So one day in the undefined future, I will wake up and be okay. Ooh, that feel familiar? Of course, of course we would feel that way. We are humans. We have so much sticky conditioning and momentum of mind identification that we cannot just snap our fingers and make it stop. And that's okay. Forgiveness of the human condition is necessary for surrender to spontaneously happen. And even then, to think that you're forever perfect is nonsense. It's total fabrication of mind. Everything is forever perfect. But that doesn't mean you're going to see that all the time. And that's fine. It's okay. Everything is okay. It really is. It really is. It really is. Really. Beyond really. Beyond really. Beyond okay. Beyond okay and not okay. Beyond beyond. Prior to beyond. Prior to and beyond beyond. Hi, Anne. Jesse says, what do you think of Facebook's friend request rules? Or do you think they're being overly restrictive and making socializing nearly impossible. I don't even know what they are. I don't use Facebook. <laughs> I only use Facebook for my Z Dog MD page. I don't use it personally and haven't for years. I find it to be poisonous. But that's just for me because actually, it's funny. I'd be curious what it's like now. Because before it was the classic mind traps of desire and aversion. So when I'd go on social media as me, I would see somebody else doing something that I liked and I'd have FOMO and I'd want it. And then I'd get jealous and then I'd get depressed or I'd wanna share something, but it was purely so that people would give me validation. Um, and then I would get triggered by something someone would post politically. And then I would get angry and identify it as, well, I feel the opposite. So therefore this person is bad. All the usual traps, this was years ago. And so at that time I said, I'm going to unplug from this. This is not healthy. But now it's kind of like, once you kind of see what it is, the root of that reactivity, validation seeking, and you've done, you've sat with these hard emotions, you've sat with shame, you've sat with seeking and you have felt through as much as you can and you've worked on trauma and you've done this kind of thing. Imagine now you can sit there and go, oh, look at that. And the feelings will arise in the body. Like you'll read someone's comment and you'll be like, nah, you feel it in the body. But the reaction just doesn't happen. You'll notice it and go, oh, look at that. You may even be able to describe it, "Ooh, envy. But it doesn't spiral into a series of thoughts or actions that are in many ways unconscious. And that's the work of this. I mean, that's working on reactivity, which we've done videos on and Angela's done videos on and so on. And so, yeah, I don't know anything about Facebook, but that's my take on social media in general is like, we could blame social media, but it's really just an expression of our delusional mind. And when our mind delusion is seen through, then you can go back and go, oh yeah, it's just this. It's okay. Hey, look, look what Bob's doing with his backyard or Oh, Jane's child got into Harvard. Great. Whatever it is. The Million things says, when it's not an object and Sam Gold is pounding on the wall yelling, your best fucking friend. Yeah, nice uh, revolver reference. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the movie Revolver, Sam Gold, which is a kind of a, Version of saying the ego, the Sam Gold. Um, watch the movie <laughs> and read about it. It's interesting. It's really fascinating. Jana, depending on the day, it could be a good source to practice. That's true. So I find like social media is a good way to practice reactivity. I read. I use it. I I do it because I look at uh, YouTube comments. Um, because since. COVID is over and the general viewership is like more settled into people like yourself who will sit here on a Sunday talking about reality and awakening and not so concerned about COVID. Um, I can actually keep up with comments now. So I can often just read the stream of comments once every few days. And I find it useful because I can see what people are asking about and what's resonating with people because then it makes me think, how am I expressing? Because the desire is to connect and to kind of be part of this group that walks each other back home to this and helps each other. So now I read comments with that in mind and it's not about validation anymore. It's not about avoiding criticism. It's not about getting into fights or doing videos about how this one guy said this and that pissed me off and here's why he's wrong. So when those comments do show up, the comments that are classically triggering, and they show up all the time, and it's usually like some old video that I did, like Gert Von dem Bush or Von whatever the heck his name was, talking about how COVID vaccines are gonna kill us all and make more deadly variants, which they did not. Um, but people who are invested in this vaccine topic watch that video and they're like, you are wrong about everything. And I'm like, you're right. We all are. We're not right about anything because there's no absolute right in the relative world. There's relative rights. Um, But even then, it's all story. And that's how I felt when I made that video and it was accurate, I think, still. But even if it wasn't, so what? At this point, it's like, so what? But the... Commanders are really fixated. They're quite fixated on taking this stance, like blah, blah, blah. So they'll say things and classically, they might be quite triggering because they're attacking you personally or they're using ad hominems, or attacking your intelligence or more triggering actually uh, here would be, they're saying something that's just simply not scientifically correct. Like see, this guy was right and you were wrong because of X. And the truth is that desire to be right is so strong, especially in certain personalities. Um, And so in my personality, in the personality of the person who made that video, like you wanna be right. Even though we're talking about alt middle and all perspectives are somewhat right, you wanna be as right as possible. So when someone says you're wrong and then you read why they're saying it, you can get triggered and go, but that's not true. Or according to my understanding, that is just simply, here's, and your mind will go to all the 20 reasons that that person is wrong and then the desire of reactivity is to go and write a response or to make a video response or to at least entertain the response in your head to make yourself feel better you see how that works so here's the trigger this doctor is a dumbass Gert von dem whatever the hell his name was was right uh, vaccines, have caused more deadly variants and more death than COVID itself. Okay, so then the feeling here is like, wait a minute. So the immediate reaction is a feeling in the body, like you feel something, and then maybe a a emotion, anger, self-righteousness. Then, the desire is to jump into thought because that's how we self-pacify when we feel uncomfortable feelings. So the uncomfortable feeling is the feeling in the body and maybe the sense of uh, that bit of emotion rising. And we're conditioned to feel like those are bad. So the immediate response is jump into la-la land. So in your mind, you think of all the different ways that that person is wrong, why you're actually right, why they're an idiot so on and so forth, and you live in that thought space generating this friction, and that friction is called suffering. And then maybe you take it to the next step and you write a response or you do something stupid or whatever. So that's reactivity, that's desire and aversion. You don't like the comment, you do this thing and you jump into thought and it feels like suffering. And that's how the world works. So how do you approach that from the standpoint of what we're talking about? Go back, if you can do this in real time, you're golden, but most people can't, so you wanna just, you did it, you had the reaction, okay. You realize, oh man, that was reactivity, okay. So now use that same trigger and generate it in your mind and go, okay, here's the comment. Ooh, and you feel it right away in the body, right there. See if you can sit with just that discomfort in the gap between feeling the discomfort and the whole thought storm and the whole reactivity cascade. And you can do games like trying to formulate what it is that's triggering it. And that way you can allow it to re-trigger. So you could say, okay, the fundamental distillation of this is "This this person said something about me that I didn't like, or they didn't say something nice, whatever it is, whatever, you know, you try to frame it in that way. Like that person didn't say that I was right about vaccines. That's what I wanted to happen. And what actually happened? They said I was a dumbass and wrong about vaccines and I'm killing people. So that's the tension there. I didn't get what I wanted. Reality didn't behave the way I thought it should be. So can I sit with that? Knowing that reality is what it is, that there's nothing that could have been different, period, because it's what happened. You can't change that No matter how much you think, you jump into thought thinking somehow you can change the world. How's that working out? So then you just sit with it, go, okay, do I need to do anything? Is there anything I need to do about this feeling that arises? And forget you'll try to go into thought and go, but he was wrong for all these reasons. Oh yeah, and there is no reason for me to respond because he's an idiot in his basement. That's not what you're doing here. That's thought. What you're doing is feeling the trigger fully in the body and sitting with it until there's a realization that there's nothing in your immediate experience that says you need to do shit about that. That is just what it is and sit with it. And if you do that enough, something really interesting can happen, which is the reaction, the reactivity tendency can stop The fundamental belief that you are a part and can do something about it dissolves. And then there's a trigger. There's the feeling in the body because the body's a sensor. It's trying to keep you safe. It's there for a reason. It's all of this, all of this, all of this. That's fine. You feel all that, but you don't get reactive. And in a sense, and Angela talks about this quite clearly, it gets weird because you realize you can't react. Like things that really should make you furious and reactive don't. Almost feels like there's something missing. And that missing thing is the lack of equanimity so now there's equanimity and everything changes so yeah social media can be phenomenally helpful for that it can be a gift if it's seen in that way and we're not lost in the sauce is doc vader spiritual john well he does meditate he has his meditation egg um He does believe in the force. It's not about a belief. He's experienced the force. He's realized the force. So he's a practitioner. What's interesting about Vader is he has a spiritual ego. So he had all this realization. He was very powerful in presence. He is conceived by the force as are we all, but he let that power, what happened was his mind actually saw, the mind is so sneaky, the ego is so sneaky. When it had all these realizations of what truth was, it went back and said, I now am the possessor of this truth. I have the power of the dark side, right? So now Vader's ego has come and co-opted the awakening experience. Actually, this would be a great video about how Doc Vader is a warning to us on this pathless path. Because what happens then is he notices, "Woo, yeah, presence is very powerful. And this kind of stillness can be a great power. And you may even have literal powers like being able to feel other people's emotions and understand what they're thinking and this kind of thing because of the degree of presence and connectivity with human consciousness and this. And so... He realizes people are listening to him. And so he starts making videos about awakening. And the next thing you know, he's got a bunch of followers. And the next thing you know, he's justifying his behavior, which is still egoic, which is still grasping, which is still self-centered and egotistical, which is like, oh, I'm going to have a clone army and take over the galaxy, or I'm going to have sex with one of my uh, followers, even though I'm you know, married to Padme and have two Luke and Leia children. Like these kind of things. This happens again and again and again when the ego co-ops this whole thing. And it will do it if there isn't continued vigilance, discernment and people around you that can tell you you're being a dickhole. Yeah, you think you're all awake, but you're a total dick wipe. And when they tell you that, don't get defensive, listen because we're the most blind, because the ego acts like it's us. Sam Gold is the voice in your head that says I, and it's not you. So Vader is a beautiful illustration actually of this. Yuri says, uh, when I clear saw one small reactivity, it opened a pathway to notice that momentum before reactivity where I can acknowledge. That's the thing, once you start to see it, then you notice, oh, here's the trigger. Ooh, I feel it in the body. Oh, look at that. That would have led to this cascade. And sometimes the cascade happens and you notice it mid-cascade and go, ooh, I'm trapped in the reactivity cascade. And then you can kind of stop. Um, It's really, really cool. Andrew says, probably a net negative that Doc Vader is spiritual, considering that he was using his spiritual enlightenment to choke random people when they upset him. Bingo. I would say this, it's a net negative. There are many teachers out there, I think, that have been net negatives in the world because of their spiritual egos, spiritualized egos. In other words, the ego's still there. It co-ops the awakening process and then uses it to manipulate other people. And they do it unknowingly a lot of the time, because they don't even see that it's happening. It's it's so common and so easy to fall in that trap. And I tell you, like it, I notice it in myself, like when it arises. And as, I'm no, you know, massively awakened, enlightened Buddha walking around. But the bit of realization I've had, I I can notice when the egos co-opting it now, but it used to be unconscious. Like I would just talk like I knew shit (laughs) or um, think that somebody should be other than they are or uh, ascertain the level of awakeness of someone or um, any of those things. And, And the truth is it's all bullshit. You don't know anything about anyone. You don't know anything about anything. You can't. From the mind, you can't. All you can know is the unknowability of this moment. And you can know it as this moment. That's it. Everything else is bullshit, really. It can be fun bullshit, but it's bullshit. And you have to see it. Now you don't have to do anything. You have to see it if you don't want to be Vader, <laughs> probably. LJ says, I know reflect, not react, but it's over before I see it. Right, of course, that's natural. That's our natural state as it happens very quickly. Trigger, body reaction, uh, cascade. We jump right over that gap between the, the body reaction and the cascade of reaction, the reactivity in mind or in action that's natural. So what we do is we slow it down by recreating it the way I was pointing to find a trigger. Angela has a great video on this, the, the, the third and fourth fetters with Kevin, I forget his last name starts with an S and he talks about how to do this, but it's it's very precise. I talked about it a little earlier, you know, identify a trigger, distill it to what it's really saying about what you wanted that didn't happen. Right. So like I wanted that guy to drive better. And instead he drove shitty. (laughs) And so, okay, so then you feel the, what that's like in the body and it's like this, uh, and then you can tell when, what the reactivity is gonna be. So then you try to sit with just the feeling in the body, sit in that gap and then look, is there anything here that tells me I need to react? And by the way, that will and should feel tremendously uncomfortable. You know you're in the right place when it feels, ooh, that feels bad. That's good, because that's what that is. We have applied all this belief, like this is unbearable, like this sensation is terrible, I have to do something. So then we react. And often it's an internal reaction, it's just jumping into thought, but it generates all this suffering. So what happens when we investigate that belief? Do I need to react to be okay? That's it. Megan says, acknowledgement and making space for the dark side too. Right, because that is also an arising. Anger happens. Hatred happens. You just see it clearly for what it is. Don't let it become you. Don't see the world through it or as it although when you really feel anger or really feel hatred it's everything but it's seen to just be what it is there isn't a lot of story and belief associated or those are seen through or seen as what they are joe says uh when you step back and let go it all becomes clear yeah and even even the yeah and that that's a kind of um a sense of an action like i've i've step back and let go and I'm, and witnessing. And and at some point even that falls away because you realize there's no one to step back or fall away. There's no witness. There's just everything. And that's another degree of freedom. There's just everything in its right place. Self knowing. Yuri, I used to think I only react to things that annoy me, but reactivity happens to things that uh, perceive as positive things. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Because reactivity is not just aversion, it's also desire. When you see a big piece, when I see a, a delicious looking picture of pizza on Yelp, I want to go to that restaurant and I feel like an urgency in the body like must go try that delicious looking pizza. And then I think I go into thought and go, ooh, what are all the different things I could order? And what will life be like when I bite that pizza and how great it will be? And so what has happened? You've gone from presence, this, eternity, into the mind where you're creating an alternative reality. Also now, because it's thoughts only happen now. Everything only happens here now. And that's a reaction, it's a reactivity, it's desire. So look at that. Like what happens when, let me create that trigger, like, ooh, I want pizza, okay. Can I feel what it's like to have that sense of like, oh, how does this make me feel without launching into thought and all of that, just being with the sensation. Mm, pizza, Audrey, yeah. (laughs) LJ says, I I hate that we are uh, are meanest to the ones we love most, our partners, children, parents, friends. Yeah, why is that? Why is that? Why are we meanest to the ones we love most? This is worth feeling into Deeply. I'm going to just speak a stream of words about this that I'm not sure where they're coming from. So they may mean nothing beyond being words. Okay? Why are we meanest to those we're closest to? Or why do we have the most trouble there? Those we feel closest to are those for whom desire and aversion in our mind is strongest. I want this person to stay with me. I want this person to be here. I want this person to be what I want them to be. I don't like what this person does I don't want them to do this. This person matters to me more than that random person on the street. They are more important to me, separate me. So everything takes on an urgency and a gravity with this person. So. I like this and I want more of it. So there's clinginess, there's controllingness, there's grasping, there's jealousy. I don't like this and they're important to me. There's meanness, there's criticism. And then there's this. This person matters to me the most, so I can't let them see who I really am because if they saw that, they would leave. So I make distance. I hide behind masks. I have a fear of intimacy. A fear of closeness a fear of abandonment i don't want them to leave so i create scenarios where i think they won't leave because i'm doing these things but in fact i'm pushing them away i'm ashamed of who and what i am and i don't know why because it's a shame that i won't even look at and so i create distance And walls and inauthenticity with people who are closest, that have in my mind the most gravity and the most at stake. So I'm the most careful. And all of this adds up to desire and aversion and reactivity and inability to look inwards at our deepest pain and be authentic inability to feel emotion as it is, to address and work through trauma. And so those closest to us are the ones who will trigger the most powerful responses and reactivity. And so now, can you feel into why this work that we do is more important than anything else you can do for those around you, especially those closest to you. Because when we see clearly through that, we open up in an authentic way with unconditional love, from a place of non-reactivity and acceptance. Melissa says, crying just came out of a 35 year highly abusive relationship after almost dying. Took me two years to understand why someone who said they loved me so much could be so cruel. Head knows, but my heart. Mm. This is the violence of mind identification of everything I just pointed at. This is how it can show up. And it is not, it is in so many ways, it's completely the innocent result of our absolute innate confusion as to who and what we are. And when that happens, this is inevitable. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. And I'm sorry too for your partner because that is a distinct form of suffering, of that kind of grasping and violence. It comes from a deep suffering too. And that's not justifying it. That's just saying our condition of mind identification generates all the conditions that lead to this. And until we see through it, really through surrender to what is, feeling everything, feeling everything, everything, everything without exception, everything. It continues, it perpetuates and it perpetuates on an individual level like this, Melissa, and it perpetuates on a national level like wars and conflicts and perpetuates on a societal level until we ourselves go right inwards to the darkest places that we fear to go and shine light there see what they are, that they're not dark. They're just unconscious. They're just not allowed to, to be seen for what they are, which ultimately is innocent. They're just what's happening. And Melissa, I, I would really recommend trying to connect with a, people who are trauma-informed, who can help hold space with you, to process this because it's a lot, it's a lot. And just being told, oh, sit with it, mm the, the video I did with Simon Brown might be a good place if you haven't seen it to talk about this, to, to feel through how to process this kind of trauma, how to start. Megan says, I've dealt with this for so long with family and my spouse. I realized I was projecting past trauma and trying to change course so I, would, so I wouldn't be re-traumatized. Oh, I would be re-traumatized. Yeah, I mean, again, the Simon Brown show. And we're gonna release soon a clip that's a shorter summary of this uh, with Simon. And we'll do more shows too. Yeah, and Andrew Dunbar, look at this. Doc Vader absolutely was the meanest to the ones he loved the most. Obi-Wan, Padme, the group of 20 to 50 children he butchered. This is true. So look, look actually look at... Vader is a, actually a terrifying example of this. His grasping love to control his wife, he didn't want her to die, this this aversion. And the Jedi were more like these Zen masters. They were just telling him, hey, let go of all this. You can't even get married. You just have to like renounce all of that. And he's like, no, I'm a human, which is true. And he never did that particular work. And so he was the most brutal to those closest to him. Absolutely. And then what what ironically then happens is he gets the opposite of what he thought he wanted, which is he loses all of it. I'm gonna to try to see, I don't know when we're gonna do this, but we are gonna to try to do an online retreat for supporters. So people who are in the supporter tribe, the on YouTube, Facebook, locals, Instagram. Um, it'll be a Zoom thing, virtual retreat. I'm gonna to try to get other people there that are very clear, especially in the field of trauma and non-duality and i think it'd be a thing so if you are on this journey and wanna dive in deeper and to those sort of things maybe consider joining the supporter group otherwise we might do other things for the public um but i have to figure out how to do that we may have to charge a little money because um i'd want to pay some of the other folks um But I think, I mean, if we don't do this work, what other work really fundamentally matters more than this in the deepest level? All right, so, man, I just kind of want to sit here for a bit (laughs) with you guys, if that's okay. wonderful Sunday. And I will see you guys next time. And we are out.